You're listening to the Evolving Truths Podcast, featuring mother-daughter hosts, Shannon Day and Alexis Ray, where honest and vulnerable conversations about personal growth create a connection between all of us. You're invited to experience the transformation that occurs when we allow the truth of who we are to evolve. Hello, you beautiful heart and soul. Welcome back to the Evolving Truths Podcast. My name's Alexis Ray, and with me, as always, is my mama, Shannon Day. Hi, mom. Hey, booze. How are you? Sorry, I was. I had a, written something on my piece of paper and pencil. I love to use pencils, so I was busy erasing it when you said, hi, mom. So, hi, I'm here. Hi. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm really excited. Tell me why. Well, because we still have Jamie sitting here with us and we're just going to have more conversation about being a female entrepreneur, being a mom, being a wife, what that looks like, lessons from her entrepreneurial journey and just see where the conversation takes us. Love it. For those of you that don't know, Jamie was our guest last week. She is the owner and founder of Compost Queen PBC and has been composting on her own for many years prior to opening Compost Queen as a business. She's a self-educated composter who has been in the industry for five years. She is also a U.S. United States Compost Council member and has attended many industry conferences, seminars, and classes. She has also received her COM, Certified Compost Operations Manager title, from the United States Compost Council and is one of less than 200 holding this title in the U.S. today. With the ambition to start a local composting business and the the aptitude to continue learning about the industry and composting in general, Jamie is a local composting expert sought out by both local and national agencies. Jamie, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. I did realize there's something in my bio I should probably say that's not in there. Tell us. So in January of this year, I won the Small Compost Manufacturer of the Year Award for 2022. So I currently hold that title. Um, and that is for the entire United States. Yeah, girl. Yeah. Congrats. That bio should be updated. Yes, it should. <laughs> Jamie, tell us the award again. It's the Small Compost Manufacturer of the Year. And this is a nationwide award. Yes. Last week, we talked about how your business model is fully vertical. From start to finish, you collect, you produce, and then you distribute mm-hmm. your product they're recognizing you for the manufacturing side of it. Is that like the production side that you're putting out into the community or is it the whole composting? It's the whole thing because I win the award and I go up to one of the judges that I know and I'm like, why did I win? (laughs) There's all of these criteria that you have to meet. And some of them have to do with your branding, your marketing. And so it really is a company as a whole. And then obviously it's what you produce. We are very strict about how we compost and our whole process that goes into that. We create a bona fide top-notch quality product that comes out as our end product that we sell. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, that's really exciting. Jamie, how long does compost last? So it really depends. It depends on a couple factors. The first one being is what is it made out of? And there's three typical types of compost in the industry. There's manure compost, yard waste compost, and food scrap compost. 
Food scrap compost is going to have the longest life because it has the most nutrients in it. A yard waste is going to be the second and manure is going to be the last. Manure, it's basically compost. You get out of it what you put in. And so if you're putting shit, in, yeah, if you're putting shit in a pile, <laughs> I'm letting it decompose further. It's not going to have like the potassium from the banana peel or the vitamin C from an orange or all of those nutrients that go, go, come in from the food scraps. Actually, when the composting process happens, it changes those nutrients into a way for plants to uptake them. But as far as how long it lasts, whenever you buy compost, I would definitely try to use it within a month or two. Five years into the entrepreneurial journey, it wasn't what you planned on doing in life. You just shared that with me between conversations. Mm -hmm. Can we talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Yeah, I never thought I was going to own a business. My dad owned his own business when I was growing up. And so I saw all of the stress and work that came with that. It's just like all of these things just seemed like you wear so many hats. It's not fun anymore it takes the fun out of it because you're not doing what you started with. It comes with accounting and you have to be good with financials and marketing and social media and all of these other things. And that was why I never thought I wanted to own my own business. However, having all the different kinds of jobs and working for other people, that's when I decided I need to work for myself because it's just not working to work for other people. I have high standards high morals, that kind of stuff. And unfortunately in corporate America, those are hard to find sometimes. That alignment is not something you get to control when you're working in someone else's system. Yes, exactly. I feel that I've been there. When did you know that this was what you were going to do? It's a great question. Probably about that two year mark when I had to hire someone, when I had to bring in outside help. Because I wanted to keep growing and I couldn't allocate all my time to operations. So I think at that point is when we knew this was going to be a thing. And at that point, we grew over 100% every year. So that was part of it too. It's like, if we're going to keep this up, (laughs) I'm going to need a little help. So Jamie, through this process, one of the things that you've learned is you are a micromanager yes. and you're working on that. Yes. What would be some other key lessons that you've learned as an entrepreneur? So the one thing that I always tell everyone from my experience is to make it, you just have to not give up. And there are countless times that I wanted to give up. I'm not going to lie. I have a very outgoing, enthusiastic, supportive husband that got me through those times. And he would literally drive to the farm and get on a tractor and do it for me because I was so like, I'm done. And he pushed through and was like, you're not done. We're going to keep doing this and I'm going to help you. And I know it's hard, but you're not done. That has happened countless times, but I didn't give up and look where I am now. So don't give up because it's easy to do. And then when you reach a certain point, I wanted to give up, you know, not too long ago. This happens a couple of times a year, probably. (laughs) But my husband said it would be harder for us to stop the business than it would be to keep going. And it was that realization where it's like, I think you're right. (laughs) That would be kind of an ordeal. At that point, it's like trying to put the genie back into the bottle and it's just already out. Yeah. 
yeah, it's everything's already out and it's too hard to just stop. Without your husband's support, and thankfully we don't have to consider this, but for you as an entrepreneur, had that support system not been there or what was the conversation like in your head to pick yourself back up in those moments where you wanted to stop that kept you going? If I did not have that support system, specifically my husband, I probably would have stopped. So asking for help is a really great tool. Yeah. How does it feel to say that? You know, I always had issues asking for help. I'm kind of like that perfectionist. I needed to get it done this way, my way. So it's been tough, but these past five years have really changed that for me. And I am getting much better at asking for help when I need it. All female entrepreneurs may not have a husband or wife or partner of some sort to be supportive to them. In addition to him, are there other supports that you have started to build for yourself to keep you going? Sure. One of them would be memberships with organizations in my industry. Um, I've been becoming more and more ingrained and making more friends and having more people that are going through similar things that I can reach out to. That's super important is to create that network of other people in a similar place. So that's been really helpful, especially when other people have a problem and you're like, oh my God, I have that problem too. And then you get all this advice from people coming in on these forums. It's uplifting in a way that if that wasn't there, you would think you're the only one going through this. And that just makes everything harder. The other thing I would say is utilizing like groups, nonprofits, the small business development centers, those types of things have been very, very helpful. I know the executive director of my local SBDC and has come in so helpful. I literally email her and ask her, who do I need to go to, to find out the answer to this question? And she will be like this person. The more people that you get to know in your network and that you can ask for help, the quicker you're going to get answers and you're going to get the right answers. Mentioned your husband being the outgoing, energetic Mm -hmm. one. Yes. You describe him in that manner. And in the time that I've known the two of you, your personality seems to be a little bit opposite. Yes. Pretty much complete opposite. Okay. Would you refer to yourself as an introvert? Yes, I do. I think for people who are introverts, it's a challenge to mm-hmm. reach out. What did you need to do to get yourself involved in those or to put yourself out there to where now you have built this support since that doesn't sound like that is your natural go-to? So one, I bring my husband to all my events that I go to (laughs) and he helps break the ice with whoever it is that we want to break the ice with. There's this annual conference that I go to, but I see people at that conference that I have seen in past years. And it's so nice to catch up because you already did do the icebreaker thing. And so it just keeps going even though it's super hard for me to do that and like get myself out there, I've kind of forced myself. The first conference I went to, I went by myself and I put myself in Max's shoes. Like what would Max do right now? And I just went and did that. 
And luckily I had this mentor thing that was happening. So that guy was able to help me get to know new people, but any kind of activity that you can do before an event to get to know other people too, like that really helps. Yeah. It's hard. I'm not going to lie. It's really hard, but owning my own business has broken me out of that a little bit. Pushing the comfort zone a bit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Are you explaining some of the small steps that you've taken to be able to do that mm-hmm. and be able to share those with others. Cause I think those are all applicable things, not only with business, but if you're new to a neighborhood or new in a job and have that introverted personality, what are some little things that you can do to try and make some connections? So we appreciate you sharing yeah. that experience. Also, I feel like we now need a bracelet. What would Max do? <laughs> Yes. Yes. Oh, he's going to love that when he hears this. So you got your hubby in your corner. Mm -hmm. You also have learned from other associations and businesses. Mm -hmm. Your personal growth as a business owner and as a company, would you say that most of your education throughout this process has come by research, by reading books, or it's just kind of happened naturally evolving through conversations. What has that journey of learning to be an entrepreneur been like for you? It's all of the above. It's not just one. Becoming a person in an industry, you got to start with the basics. And so I literally have a book called Composting for Dummies. I make all my employees read it. It's amazing what that base knowledge can get you through, you know, cause like, you know, I have people that want to work for me that have never composted before. Don't really understand it. They have to understand the underlying, almost like science behind it to really know what they're doing. And so I would say a lot of my knowledge has come from live trainings, webinars and in person. That also helps with networking too. When you, when you go to webinars and you start seeing the same people doing the same webinars as you, you kind of get an idea of what other people are doing and you can reach out, um, as well as the instructors are always, you know, forces in the industry. And so you can usually be like, I attended your webinar can you point me in the right direction and then they'll connect you with someone. And then the actual certification trainings too. I did my certification training in 2021 And it was the first one that they did in person since COVID had started. And so I was able to meet people from all over the United States. I learned so much about the business of composting there, as well as composting processes and whatnot, but just the networking opportunities. Is composting a, I'm going to say a male dominated industry when literally, you know, the entire world is a male dominated industry, (laughs) but is What is the ratio? What is it like being a female business owner in this industry? That's a very interesting question. There was a study that just came out earlier this year, and it was specifically about community composting. Community composting is different from industrial composting because it's basically decentralized systems. And what you're doing is completely local in your own community. You're not going out to outside sources for anything. You're doing it yourself. And so that's how I started. That's what I live by. Like, yes, I'm a community compost. And so this study that came out specifically about community composting said that 
this little industry that we're building right now was either female, transgender, Q, and it was like over 80% of the people in the community composting industry are that. And so that was super, super cool. I'm definitely putting that study in my next grant application. Yeah, you are. But it's true. I see it in my own business. It's so true. And it's really, really cool. That's amazing. Sitting across from you and you talking about the base knowledge that you need in order to employ someone in this industry Mm -hmm. is really the base knowledge that anyone needs to be able to build a successful career in any industry that they decide to go into. Sure. Yeah. And my personal experience in roofing or construction for the past 10 years was as a five foot one female that was a hundred pounds, like I had to have a certain amount of technical knowledge in order to be taken seriously. Oh yeah. And I could only imagine for you now, and I and I don't want to say that that has something to do with me being a female, but it doesn't help in right. the roofing industry. And I could imagine in composting or any industry, like just having that base knowledge so that you can talk about it confidently, so that you can walk into a room of council members or other things as you're gaining the education. But then also when you don't know that education, being brave enough to say, tell me about it, or asking questions, or not being afraid to not know in the room. Yeah. Because, you know, on the other side of that, you know, that was the community composting. When you go to industrial composting or waste management in general, it's literally the opposite. It's 80% men. It's so interesting that flip how that works and and why. Right. Why is that? I'm not quite sure. It has something to do with stereotypes. You know, men drive tractors, women don't, right? I mean, I sure do, but... Do you name your tractors? Yes, I name all of my equipment. What was the name of your first tractor? Little little Tim. T-Y-M, because that was his brand. Okay. Well, is. He's still alive. Okay. (laughs) We still are using him. That's awesome. So the gap of community composting and industrial, how does that close? Or is that just something that composting, as it continues to evolve and develop as an industry maybe someday that bridge will get crossed. So you are asking the right question. Nobody knows the answer yet, but Colorado and California are really the two top states doing anything about it right now. Um, California just implemented basically a statewide composting mandate where no organics can go to the landfills. They have to be composted. Um, However, they put that mandate in place before there were facilities. Mm -hmm. So they're kind of running in circles with that right now. Whereas Colorado is trying to get the facilities in place in order to mandate. And to do that, they are changing some of the composting laws in Colorado right now. I have a meeting next week as a stakeholder. One of the policies is literally affecting the type of facilities that I have. But what it's doing is giving us a larger processing amount so we can do more at one place at one time. Versus like this one address can only have this much there at one time, which is why I have four. So I have to go between them. If one gets full, I have to send that load to a different one, which has never really happened, but it's very possible to happen. And so with that change, 
it's going to create a lot more opportunities for people to be able to do more on a smaller level, which is very exciting. So it's starting to bridge that gap between the community and the industrial. It's trying, it's kind of getting there, but industrial is the one big thing. And the community is like all these little ones. And so bridging that gap, I don't know how that's going to be done. Does sound like you're going to be kind of on the forefront of it though. I'm trying. Yeah. I really am. Yeah. <laughs> this is such a good reminder for all of us. You said that you started by reading compost for dummies. Yeah. And doing it yourself in your own backyard and then getting some from friends and kind of growing it and seeing how it worked, learning it hands-on to now you have these certifications. You've gotten this amazing award. You are an expert in the industry and you have done this through your own efforts. I have no doubt that you're going to take that and continue to grow and expand and definitely be a force in the industry. I also have a job. Is this in addition to being a wife and a mom? <laughs> yes. Like a job I get paid for. Yes. <laughs> Wait, time out. You have a full-time job. It's part-time. It's part-time. Okay. So you have a part-time job plus compost queen. Yeah. Which is full-time. This entire time that we've been talking, <laughs> I thought that compost queen was your entire employment. No. Okay, so tell me about this part-time. I work as the assistant project manager for the Composting Research and Education Foundation, which is the nonprofit research and education source for the composting industry. Is that a nationwide organization? Yes, it is. And how far into Compost Queen did you find that job? I just took that job in February of this year. Tell us more about that decision. So I have... struggled with this a lot, but basically I knew that taking this job would make me happy because one of my passions, which is why it's part of Compost Queen Mission, is to freely educate the people that want to know. And that's that's like basically the mission of this non-profit is to create resources for free, essentially, or, or low cost. They put on webinars. They have a store with all the books that you would ever need on composting, all these different things. They do research studies, which is what I'm actually a part of right now. My specific position relates to mainly the compostable field testing program. We are doing research in facilities across Northern America to figure out if compostable packaging, such as plastics, paper, fiber, all of those types of things that are being made and called compostable, if they're actually breaking down in the facilities, um, because they can be certified and you can see all of these things that say like BPA certified or CMA certified or whatever. And it's like, okay, this will break down, right? That was all done in a lab. So we need to see if it actually is happening and all the different kinds of processing that people can have for composting. You can have aerated side pile, you can have windrow, you can have static pile, you can have in vessel, the list goes on. It's like, okay, so this says it's compostable. 
but in which one Mm. is it compostable or is it all of them or is it just one of them? And so that's, that's the study that I am doing most of my work with right now with them is gathering this data from all of these facilities that are doing the testing and putting it into a database that is going to have free open access to everyone. So no matter where you live across the world, you can be like, okay, this product is made out of PLA and is like a cold cup, you know, is what they're called. This breaks down in the windrow, but not in the static pile. So if I have a static pile operation, I'm not going to allow that product in. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like, it's a huge study. It's been going on since 2016, I think. And it just needed more help. And so that's what I am there for is to really help move that along. I'm just going to totally confess that I do not do enough to help the environment. (laughs) This is a great place to start, Lexis. I mean, having the conversation is a great place for me to to start. start. Yeah. I do recycle, but. Recycle your food waste. Yeah. I'm going to have to, I'm going to look into it. I am going to look into it in Scottsdale for sure, because I hate throwing away food. I'm pretty sure there's someone there doing it. Sweet. That would be awesome. I'm going to, we're going to talk about that, Jamie. Okay. Um, Okay. So that's your part-time, that's your income in addition to, yeah, that's your side side income plus compost queen. Yeah. And so, you know, honestly, they're both passion projects. I took the job in February and I've had to ask myself, was that the right decision? Because it does take away my time from compost queen and it needs a lot right now, especially with all of the new infrastructure we're putting in and all the new SOPs we're going to have to create and the new people we're going to have to hire and all of the things. So I go to therapy. I think everyone should, honestly. Oh, true. Um, Dr. Sandy. Yeah. We we talk about our therapists quite often on this podcast. Okay. Oh, wonderful. Okay. So I'm not like totally out of reach here. So yeah. And so I, you know, I brought it up in therapy and I was like, I, I can't decide if this is you know, worth it for me, you know, because it brings in this much income, but it takes away this much time, you know? And so it's like being able to, to figure all of that stuff out, you know? And so she gives me a chart that she has, you know, on hand for people (laughs) like me, you know, the positives, the negatives, all of the things, and you kind of start tallying up the different things and where they are placed. And it was by far majority in the, like, this makes me happy. I want to continue doing it. And, you know, after a lot of deliberation and, you know, I still have days where I'm just like, oh, I wish I didn't have to do this today. But I mean, who has a job that doesn't say that once in a while? It makes me happy. And because it's so structured, I can have a task list and like check things off my task list, which is very cathartic for me. Mm -hmm. Whereas in Compost Queen, I have like a million tasks at all times. When you own your own business, the task list is never complete. No, it's just never complete. It never is. And like you say you have deadlines, but it's like a deadline to myself. So who cares, you know? And so it's it's not the same. Mm -hmm. And that satisfies that part of me and what I need and that I got it done. And I'm proud of myself now. We talk about this with the Evolving Truths community 
And our accountability creates momentum groups where we talk about while that for you might be in, in your part-time job, you're getting those wins that's feeds you with compost cream. It does. Like you, you, you're like, wow, I could do this task. I got that done now. Let me look at my list for compost cream. And while it might be big, you're like, here, I could knock these three things off. Yeah. Right. And it's growing my network. This has been awesome. Jamie, thank you for being willing to come on here and talk with us about your compost queen baby Mm -hmm. that you have, (laughs) you know, inceptualized, created, visioned, operating, grown. Like, thank you for telling us your experience with this. I've really enjoyed getting to ask you all of these questions. Yeah, no problem. So because it can't be all business. Jamie, what do you do for fun or how do you take care of yourself besides with a part-time job that is also a passion? Oh my God. Right. So this is also a topic in therapy, self-care. Yeah. I I need to work on this. Um, It's kind of at the bottom of the totem pole right now because I'm doing so much, but I get a massage every like four to six weeks. Mm -hmm. That's something that I'm trying to keep a priority. Um, My therapy is a priority. That's for me there's my family. I have a two-year-old and I love him to death. And right now is like the most fun stage so far. Like he's just starting to talk in sentences. It's just so funny Mm. and adorable. And so spending time with him is definitely a priority of mine. And then my husband and I, this actually, this happened just a few weeks ago, but Over this summer, because we were so busy pushing Compost Queen, we kind of grew apart a little bit and we would be going to bed at night right next to each other and we'd be like, I miss you. And so we knew something had to change. So we are prioritizing something where we go out and we actually talk about things other than work to, you know, to still be in each other's lives because we very much love each other and you know, there's no issue there, but it's just being able to have that quality time. It's very important for relationships. And so we were able to recognize that and we're, you know, trying to remedy it. But yeah, I mean, doing, doing a lot is hard. So it's, I'll go get a pedicure once in a while, you know? Yeah. Self-care needs to, needs, needs to get a notched up, but it's really hard. That could be an evolving truth for you. Yeah. So I could see that. Thank you for what you just shared about you and your husband. Thank you for trusting this space to share that. It kind of gave me goosebumps, like how valuable it is in relationships when you recognize that something's not quite like you'd like it to be, mm-hmm. immediately act on it. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's beautiful and what a lesson for all of us. So thank you for trusting this space yeah. to share that. No problem. And now I have some yes, no questions for you as we get ready to close. Okay, let's do it. Ready? So I'm going to say one word or a statement and then you get to say yes or no. Okay. Okay. Candy corn. No. Halloween decorations. Yes. Football. Yes. Country music. Yes. Is October too early for snow? Oh, that's a tough one. Yes. It's like right on I know, but because like by the time you get to October, you want it so bad. Says Lex's lizard body happy in Arizona. Oh, gosh. (laughs) No, thank you. Uh, Maybe it is. Maybe it's November. We'll wait for November. (laughs) Okay. Well, I agree with Alexis. Jamie, thank you so much for sharing your time with us. Absolutely. We 
loved hearing your experience. We are here to support you and we can't wait to see you grow. Thank you. Remember to reach out to Compost Queen. You can find them at compostqueenfc.com. Follow them on the Facebook and the Instagram at compostqueenfc. All of those will also be in the show notes. If mom and I are totally your cup of tea, please leave a five-star rating. Please leave a review of the show on whatever platform you are listening. Share this show with someone that you would like to have a conversation with or that you think could take something away from this conversation because that is the best way for our Evolving Truths community to continue to grow. We will be back next week. Until then, please remember, life is beautiful and you create the magic. Have a good one. Connect with Shannon and Alexis and the Evolving Truths community by visiting evolvingtruthspodcast.com. Links are in the show notes. The artwork for this project was created by Julie B. Salazar and is entitled Celebration from the Inner Landscape Print Series. The Evolving Truths podcast is produced and edited by Shannon Day and Alexis Ray, recorded from the Corner Studio in conjunction with Alexis Ray Enterprises, LLC.